Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, hello, celebrity gossip enthusiasts. Happy 2023. I'm Travis Cronin, Us Weekly's Entertainment Director, and you're tuned in to Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast. The show where we break down all of the hottest, weirdest, and just most fun celebrity gossip stories of the week. And so glad in the new year that I am joined by my two lovely inside and out co-hosts, Arbiter Beauty and Style, Gwen Flamberg. That face is snatched for the heavens. You look amazing i mean my face is snatched because i was supposed to go to the golden globes and so i did like 800 different treatments leading up to it i actually am going to write a story about how a beauty editor preps for the red carpet because the amount of time and effort and treatments that i put into this and then i tested positive for the old covid and i had to stay home but you know i'm, I'm kind of happy now it's the awards are over I look really snatched and I'm going to like try to keep up this treatment and maybe just maybe someone will invite me to another red carpet event this season. We'll see. Gwen for Oscars, Gwen for Oscars, everybody. For your consideration, please. (laughs) I'll be a seat filler. Just fly me out. (laughs) And And the unofficial queen of the bachelor bachelorette and all things Bravo. It's now baby woman deputy Sarah Heron. Hey, hey, everyone. Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast is back. So tune in. There's a lengthy episode of me by myself. 50 minutes uninterrupted talking about the new cast of The Bachelor. So if you're really feeling crazy, head over to here for the right reasons and listen to that before Zach season starts in two weeks. I will say I was very interested by your Instagram stories of all the new Bachelor contestants and their facts. I ate that up and I would recommend listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. And I would recommend following at Sarah Heron because honestly, I was like, swipe, swipe, swipe. Didn't I see this one before? Swipe. (laughs) Isn't there a different Brianna? Swipe. There must be another Katie. 
it's, it is compelling. It's Thank very so compelling. Much. It was Thank good you. stuff. It was good stuff. Well, let us get into, um, you know, our woes of the week are going to be a little, a little different this week because there was a huge award ceremony, the Golden Globes. So we're going to go around and do our woe of the Globes this week because while the ceremony was a little long and tedious as they <laughs> can be, there were some fantastic standout moments. Baby woman, what was your standout moment from these Globes that are oh so golden well if anyone knows me at all you know that the standout moment was when scientology and tom cruise and hashtag where is shelly miscavige got its moment because the host um jared carmichael is that how you say his name jared yes. carmichael yeah. yes he was he had there was some interesting moments with him as the host overall um and my favorite part was when he came out right before he introduced glenn powell and jay ellis from top gun maverick to um announce the winner for best supporting actress he decided to take a dig at tom cruise and he brought out he was holding three golden globes and in case you missed it back in may 2021 tom cruise returned his golden globes amid the controversy with the hollywood foreign press association and the lack of diversity and tom cruise was one of the first bigger names to quote unquote return his golden globes that he had three of um for jerry Maguire and all his past movies so the host came out and he said backstage i found these three golden globe awards that tom cruise returned i have a pitch i think maybe we can take these three trophies and exchange them for the safe return of shelly miscavige <laughs> in case you don't know in case you don't follow me on instagram and haven't seen the bucket hat shelly miscavige is the wife of david miscavige the leader of scientology and she has not been seen in public in over a decade um leah remini when she decided to leave scientology one of the things that she points as her wake up call her come to jesus if you will was at tom cruise and katie holmes wedding shelly wasn't there which she found odd and she said where's shelly and then leo was reprimanded and had to go through a bunch of courses and it kind of raised a red flag to her of like what what are we doing here and also by the way where is shelly um she has filed police reports which the lapd which questionably may be involved in scientology we don't know allegedly <laughs> allegedly allegedly don't come for me <laughs> um and yeah so shelly still has not been seen and David Miscavige is in the news also because allegedly he's trying there, there's people who are trying to serve him with a um it, documents related to um federal trafficking lawsuit and apparently he's been tried to be served 25 times and they can't find him they can't serve him they it's can't for serve years him. yeah yes and david's lawyers did tell the tampa bay times that their client being named in the suit is part of a litigation strategy to target the leader of the religion for harassment um so take that with what you will but leah remini is celebrating this moment because it's a big <laughs> deal for hollywood someone in hollywood on a big stage to acknowledge that we haven't seen shelly to bring up sign cruise to tom cruise and scientology and you could kind of like feel the shock in the crowd yeah absolutely and then they brought out the two stars of tom cruise's film who have to be loyal to tom cruise putting on their best they fake smiles shook. i've ever seen shook yeah it was crazy that that was an incredible moment that really made me excited to be tuned in for the live broadcast because it was so shocking gwen what did you like this year about these globes Oh my gosh, guys. Well, other than Salma Hayek's Golden oh. Globe, which I always loved. Oh, did you see her in Gucci? Yes. She wasn't on the proper red carpet, but if you see pictures of her from inside and after, 
I mean, that woman, just so stunning. Now, she looked great. I mean, beyond, beyond. But it was really some speeches that blew me away. So first of all, Kei-Hu Kwan, who won for Best Supporting Actor, he is in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. He got up there and at first he started with, you know, I was always taught to remember where I came from. So I have to just thank Steven Spielberg, who's in this room, who gave me my first shot. And, you know, I really haven't followed the movies this year so much. So I really didn't put it together in that moment that he was short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And he went on to say how, you know, when he was cast in Indiana Jones, he was so happy. He was a kid. And then he felt the rest of his life that he had peaked as a kid and he was never going to achieve that level of fame. And and here he was back at it. And the Daniels, who I'm now obsessed with, I need to know everything about the Daniels, who directed (laughs) everything, everywhere, all at once, gave him that shot. And it's just like the emotion was so thick in his voice. You really felt it. And I just I loved it so much. And I love that, you know, he's not a young actor. He's not an ingenue. He's not Austin Butler, who's also hot, but I don't understand like why he has allowed the spirit of Elvis to um, inhabit his body. Um, So I loved that speech. And then, of course, I love Jennifer Coolidge's speech. So amazing where she said, you know, like, again, she got this break after a long time. And like now people on her hill are inviting her to parties. It was hilarious. Jennifer Coolidge is 61 years old. Then Michelle Yeoh won also for Everything Everywhere All at Once. She is 60 years old. Jamie Lee Curtis, who is 70 years old, was like the person screaming loudest in the room. Her speech was incredible. It was meaningful. And I just feel like it was a year for people to just celebrate achievement and lifelong bodies of work. Um, I loved that it was like, People in Hollywood who maybe hadn't been recognized before, even though they worked their tails off their whole career. You know, a lot of times working actors, they have to take like little tiny, silly parts to stay in it. And then they get a break. It's all about like when you get that break. And so here were, you know, all actors, Gen Xers, baby boomers finally getting their due. And then I also just loved Colin Farrell's speech because I'm sorry, I loved so much and I wasn't there. <laughs> Gwen's oh, wow. quote of the week. Don't play me off. We're playing her flowers. off. I am the piano player. Also, I'm shocked in that lovely list, which was beautiful. No mention of Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, wait, we're going to get to Brad Pitt. Well, what number seven. to say about <laughs> Colin Farrell's speech, if you guys haven't seen The Banshees of Inishiran, which is an amazing film, very deep, not funny as you would think that it is. The best part of the movie was Colin Farrell's character relationship with his pet donkey. And Colin Farrell actually thanked Jenny the donkey in his speech, which was like so amazing. Okay, one word about Brad Pitt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You guys might at me for this, but like, I'm not into that short hairdo. Really? Look, At first, I was like, did Brad Pitt get plastic surgery? Because that would be an exciting story for me to do. But then, of course, I looked at, you know, as I have been trained to do for many years in my job as executive editor of Beauty and Fashion for Us Weekly, I looked at every single picture of Brad Pitt from the last year, the last five years, the last 10 years. Hard work for you. 
no pla- yeah yeah you know you no plastic surgery that i can discern okay i do think that you may have put on a couple of lbs as people are want to do when they are happy Ooh. and it seems like he's a bit happier than he has been but also what an example of what a change in a hairstyle can do to the face especially for a guy you know he was wearing his hair long and shaggy and now it was like short clean cut high and tight off his face looked like a totally different guy and not my guy i just kept thinking of you because several women i think of regina hall i think um from abbott elementary the actress who won they kept getting distracted by brad pitt when they were on stage sitting there and and even and then austin butler who you mentioned like professed his love for brad pitt from their time from once upon a time in hollywood so i was like everyone's loving brad pitt on this stage which was just so interesting to me and i was like if only gwen flamberg was there to throw in her two cents but she wouldn't have because of the haircut but he's still Brad Pitt. And I fully understand. I also, I love that Quinta Benson. Can I just say, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was, it was a year of underdogs winning and I loved it. I loved it. Fashion wasn't my favorite, but thank God everything else was. Travis, did you watch? Um, I did watch and I had a couple woes, but Gwen took them. So I loved it too. Um, My favorite moment of the Globes was Billy Porter and Ryan Murphy in the vein of what Gwen was saying. It was so nice to see underdogs and the people who make up acting, theater, you know, the weirdos, the outcasts. And he, Ryan Murphy first acknowledged MJ Rodriguez for being the first trans woman to win a Golden Globe. Michaela J, she was looking the most gorgeous ever. Like she, I can't even. Michaela J is amazing. Mm -hmm. And while I don't think MJ Rodriguez is the best actress on Pose, I'm so happy that she was the first trans woman to win. I also, the Abbott Elementary cast, great, love that show. Don't think their winners were the first best actors on that show. I'm a Shirley Routh fan. I love the principal on that show. Um, but absolutely, the Ryan Murphy speech just got me in tears. And like you said, Jennifer Coolidge getting invited to all the parties on her hill now because of White Lotus is the change I want to see in the world. Also, speaking of White Lotus, Mike White being drunk because, quote unquote, they didn't bring out the food was iconic. I love him. Survivor <laughs> forever, just, White Lotus I'm forever. I'm obsessed with him. Like, I'm yeah. like, are you married, Mike White? Or are you? <laughs> I think he might be. But gosh darn it, is he adorable. He is he's not gay might be i think i'm pretty sure he is i like him too but if you watch his survivor clips back he doesn't come off super great but a great artistic mind of course he is openly bisexual so get in there we all got a shot but he does have a boyfriend um apparently white this is his one line in wikipedia also so like some fact checking i'm doing here as a journalist white (laughs) is a vegan and lives in santa monica with his boyfriend josh he is openly bisexual Nice. Right. Good for you. Well, the Globes, I mean, now recounting them back, they were more fun than I thought they were hearing us all talk to them. So now you don't need to watch them. You heard all the highlights and they were really fun and positive this year. And by the way, sorry, Eddie Murphy... Adorable. He was great with his speech of the takeaways that he's learned in all his time in Hollywood with the (laughs) reference. Because it was like, I was like, okay, this is kind of boring. This is kind of boring. But perfectly delivered the final third tip. 
keep Will Smith's wife's name out your effing mouth. Yeah. Beautiful. The room erupted. It was, it just felt like a good well, crowd. Like the yeah. reactions were good. It was amazing. But the thing, something that I love about Eddie Murphy is that he cannot keep a straight face. Like what I've always <laughs> loved about him in his comedy is he like starts with that adorable Eddie Murphy laugh before he's got the joke out. So he was about to go into the Will Smith thing and he gave that little titter. And I was like, oh my God, what is coming? Something amazing. And it was. It was great. It was better than Austin Butler bringing his Elvis voice into his real life. I'm so which is confused. So strange. I'm so, so confused. confused. I know it was strange. Well, let us get into some news of the week because I have been looking for the answer for this for the last two weeks, and it is about a special todger on a special ginger. Um, Prince Harry made the rounds, and on his late show with Stephen Colbert, which hadn't aired last time we were recording this, he talked about his. Now infamous frostbitten, frostbitten penis, which he called <laughs> Frostnip on his Todger. And it turns out I really needed more information about how he got this frostbitten penis at a wedding. And we got it. So he took part in a charity trek um, to the Arctic, to the North Pole, with four ex-servicemen um, who were badly wounded in the war in Afghanistan. Now, this was in 2011, and it was a 200-mile walk. They raised two million pounds, hey, um, for the walking for the wounded charity group and prince harry said uh, these amazing veterans were doing a walk to the north pole they all had training i had none i turned up thinking how bad this could be it's the only it's only the north pole it's only minus 35 degrees and he uh, had a handcrafted pillow to protect his quote man piece no he didn't everybody else did Oh, the handcraft pillow that everyone else yeah, did. Yeah, he got one for the second when he did the South Pole or something. He got That's one when the he got first the penis time he pillow. didn't have the penis pillow, which is why he had the frostbitten penis. Um, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't read Spare and actually wants to to do the audiobook because hearing Prince Harry recall the story about his Todger is quite um it feels like you're living in the Twilight Zone. Oh my god, definitely do that. And just in case Andrew was wondering how it happened, you sweat, the sweat goes down there. It freezes. And then he showed up to uh, Prince William's wedding and he put some Elizabeth Arden cream on it. The doctor told him that he'd be fine um, and that it would heal his petrified penis in their words, not mine. But also in this, he showed off his necklace that William broke in their fight. Um, and it was sort of wild. He's like, there are, Stephen Colbert said, there's a lot of talk about the physical fight that you two had where we pushed you down in the kitchen and broke the dog bowl where you fell. Um, it says you broke your necklace. Which necklace did you broke? And Harry says this one, which is now fixed. And he showed off a trio of charms affixed to a black cord around his neck. He said he has his kid's heart beats, which his wife gave him, and a pair of silver pendants engraved um, with Archie and Lilibet's cardiograms. And he said, and a friend of mine in Botswana made this for me, which I got the tiger's eye on it. He said for his third charm featuring the golden gemstone, which is said to protect its wearer and promote self-confidence and inner strength. Now, I feel much better after the Stephen Colbert thing about hearing about the Todger and the necklace. I feel like I got the full picture from his mouth. What did you guys think of this frostbitten penis and jewelry fiasco? I don't get to say that every day. I mean, I think it's 
ironic that he had the necklace fixed and now he's wearing it all the time because of course everyone's like, oh my gosh, is that the necklace? Like the um, orchestration of this whole book promotional situation is just, it's really something that only somebody who is in Hollywood would know how to pull off. Um, the Frostbitten Todger. <laughs> we talked about this last in last week's episode. Like there is just so much in the book that is for shock value. And you, the only issue that I have with it is that like, this is tabloid stuff. This is tabloid fodder and you're supposed to be anti-tabloid. So like, what is it? What is it? I just, I don't know. I don't know how to make him happy, Travis. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. And I would like to personally thank him for his tabloid fodder because it uh, yes. really helped our numbers on the website. <laughs> I also think it's so interesting because in the Colbert interview, he kind of, again, like came for the British press and Stephen Colbert like kind of tried to be like, well, you know, American media has their own issues, but Harry like doesn't really see that like for whatever reason. And I mean, the British press is definitely worse. And like, I'm not trying to like put ourselves on blast, but like delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. It's wild <laughs> that he didn't think this book was going to, like, do like, what it did. drag us, Harry. No, drag I'm us. just saying, like, <laughs> I don't know. He loves being in America. Like, happy for you, Harry. Like, he was, like, feeding into the crowd. He was like, America! Like, it was just so bizarre. I watched the whole thing, like, the uncut version. Um, But anyway, interesting to hear him talk, just because it's I've, I read the book, and it's just yeah. been, like, so much Harry. But hearing it from his own voice, especially in a Colbert-type setting, which was, like, partly funny, partly serious, versus, like, you know, 60 Minutes. Those were, like intense right. um this was like kind of fun oh i let maybe i do like you harry okay now you're kind of being annoying again like it's it's a roller coaster um but my favorite spare headline this week is well first of all a reporter just asked prince william about it at one of his engagements and he just walked away and didn't I respond that. so that's yeah. fun um, wearing all black too it was like so funeral he's in mourning. creepy yeah he's in mourning um but there's a lot of people mostly in the british press but also just in general on twitter questioning harry's factual errors here so there's a few lines in the book that have kind of raised eyebrows. One of them is about Princess Diana buying him an Xbox. And he Xbox was not invented in 1997 when Princess Diana died. Um, so people are like, okay, well, what'd she actually buy you? Um, that, doesn't, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Atari. Whatever. <laughs> then there's a, a quote, inaccuracy. 
in which he implies that Dickie Arbiter, who was the Queen's ex-press secretary, made a comment that Harry and Meghan should expect no mercy after stepping down. Um, but it was really a different commentator named Trevor Phillips. And um, there is one saying that he was at boarding school when the Queen Mother died, but really, allegedly, he was in Switzerland. So these are like three little things that people are blowing up like, okay, who didn't fact check your book or whatever. So the ghostwriter who also wrote The Tender Bar has come mm. out and he's dropping all these quotes. He um, posted quotes from The Art of the Memoir by Mary Carr. And he wrote... This is the quote he shared. The line between memory and fact is blurry between interpretation and fact. These are inadvertent mistakes of those of those kinds. These are inadvertent mistakes of those kinds out of the wazoo. And then he shared one that says neurological. Oh, my God. I can't speak today. Neurological. Neurological. Oh, that's a doctor hard. Um, explained to me that such a neurologist neurologist <laughs> Jonathan Mink, MD, explained to me that such intense, intense memoirs, we often record the emotion alone, all the detail blurred into unreadable smear. And then he shared quotes directly from Harry and the book, one from Harry that said landscape, geography, architecture. That's how my memory rolls. Dates. Sorry, I'll need to look them up. Dialogue. I'll do my best, but make no verbatim claims, especially when it comes to the 90s. Um, whatever the cause, my memory is my memory. It does what it does, gathers and curates as it sees fit. And there's just as much truth in what I remember and how I remember it as there is in so-called objective facts. Things like chronological, these are things like chronology chronological, and cause and effect are often fables. We tell ourselves about the past. Wow. A time is relative and a memory is perception is reality. Little moment there. Yeah. And the passage about the Xbox, I guess, literally, apparently also says, um, and I quote, since I'm doing such a good job reading, I'll keep trying. Um, it was an Xbox. I was pleased. I love video games. That's the story. Anyway, it appeared in many accounts of my life as gospel. And I have no idea if it's true. Pa said, mummy hurt her head, but perhaps I was the one with brain damage as a defense mechanism. Most likely my memory was no longer recording things quite as it once did. So just interesting that there are people kind of finding issues in it, but then the ghostwriter has a response for that. And I don't know, obviously they're going to pick apart everything, but it is kind of tough to like, attribute a quote to someone wrong in your memoir <laughs> what is the truth harry <laughs> i don't know well, let's move on to something i mean it's weird to say it's more fun because it is jail-based but it's the chrisleys um let's talk about todd and julie chrisley they will have to report to federal prison in florida next week after attempting at gaining bail was denied while they wait out their appeal now this was such a heavy hit for them i feel like they definitely thought that they were going to get um get let out on bail. Uh, Kirstley, the both of the Chrisley Knows Best stars were sentenced to a combined prison term of 19 years after a jury convicted them of multi-million dollar bank fraud and a tax evasion scheme, classic reality television. Now, Todd will begin his 12-year sentence at the federal prison camp, Pensacola, and Julie will spend the next seven years, two and a half hours away in the federal correctional institution, federal prison camp, Mary. Mariana. Um, now, they are both in camps, um, but we found that they are, quote, no country club, according to an expert. Uh, Julie is headed to a camp which is still confine- confinement, adding that the camp is the best place to be if you're incorporated. It's sort of like a college dormitory situation. There's no fences or barbed wire or things like that, but there are monitors and cameras and a fairly relaxed atmosphere. Well, they will be in jail next week for these long 
sentences. Now, let's. this one really rubs me the wrong way, and it has been a huge part of my life for the last 20 years that I've thought about. It is Gwen Stefani says, yes, she is Japanese. Gwen <laughs> Stefani came under fire on Tuesday after she said in an interview that she's Japanese. She was talking with Allure magazine. Uh, by the way, she's an Italian-American, and she was saying the influence of Japanese culture in her home and how she grew up and that her dad traveled to Japan for his job at Yamaha and, you know, stories about performers cosplaying as Elvis and stylish women with color hair, all the things that influenced her throughout her career. And that was the Japanese influence in her culture. And she said, oh my God, I'm Japanese and I didn't know it, she told Jalore. I know I'm calling herself a super fan. I'm calling myself a super fan of Japanese culture. And the reporter she was talking to was um, Asian American, not Japanese. And she writes, but I am an Asian. Gwen Stefani said, uh, you know, oh, sorry. The writer said, I'm not Japanese, but I am an Asian woman living in America. And what comes with the sobering realities of a time of heightened Asian American Pacific Islander hate. I hope everyone can, who can claim to be a part of this vibrant creative community, but avoid the part of the narrative that can be painfully scary with colorism can do this. It was just so strange. And Gwen Stefani has been criticized for a long time of doing this. She's worn a bindi. She's worn bandu knots. And she says that if we didn't buy and sell ourselves and the culture we're in, we wouldn't have so much beauty. You know, we learn from each other. We share. Um, we we grow from each other, and all these rules are just dividing us more and more. Now, this was because of the time when LAMB came out that she had four Harajuku girls who were following her around during the press tour and seemed as human accessories to her at the time, which was very problematic. But what are your guys' thoughts on culture, culture vulture Gwen Stefani and her sort of defense of it? I think that... You know, when Gwen Stefani did this, it was a totally different time, like when she had the Harajuku girls. And you're right. Even before the Harajuku era, she would wear the bindi. She would wear the bounce knots. She also, you know, ska music was basically built on reggae. So she had, you know, her original moment where she was dressed in in reggae garb. But I think that she's a really valid point that being inspired by other cultures is a beautiful way to celebrate them. I do think that our society may have gone, you know, it may has, it's gone a bit far in terms of cultural appropriation. Um, I I agree with that, but I, I just kind of feel like Gwen, why would you say that you're Japanese? Why would you go? So she just went a little far and she made some statements at a time when it's not okay to say things like that. You're going to be judged. So just felt a little foolish to me, but you know, I, I don't, I can't argue with her sentiment. Yeah, she was close. She was close. If she had said her dad traveled back and forth between here in Japan and I was influenced by everything and it's not right to use these four girls as accessories that I never let speak for a year and then came to Vegas with me. Um, she's like, but I love the beauty and fashion. I want to wear it in a way that is appreciation and not wearing their culture as her onstage costume. I don't know. I think Gwen Stefani's really, really close. And that's why I'm sort of glad that she's talking about it and that we can all sort of like learn what is okay to adopt and what is sort of really offensive to people who, you know, live that reality every day and don't get to take it off when their show is done. Right. 
Yeah, I also just like, it was like, what year am I living in? Like, I feel like this was Gwen Stefani 10 years ago. And I'm kind of confused sure. why she would be even like bringing, I guess maybe she was asked about it, but I don't know. I was she was asked about it. In like yeah. going backwards. I think because the writer was Asian American, she was like, hey, you've culturally appropriated, you know, people have said your whole career. What do you have to say about it? And she was not expecting that answer for her to double down and say, I am Japanese. <laughs> um, but glad it's in the zeitgeist and we can talk about it in good fun. Um, then for our last story today, just want to remind everyone, Pete Davidson, no longer with Emily Ratajkowski. I'll never get over it. I really, really saw them as a couple together, but he is still being photographed with his bodies, bodies, bodies co-star Chase Suey uh, wonders. They have been waiting for food together. They're all up in Brooklyn. They are kissing each other. Um, a source tells us that they're hanging out and having fun. It doesn't seem long term. But I don't know. Is is it just me that's sad about Pete Davidson and Emily Ratajkowski just being the perfect, you know, celebrity couple that was like famous and hot to a lot of people but even hotter to each other is anyone else sad is it just me couldn't care less right. <laughs> i it really has affected me I'm so and sorry. i don't hey. know why thank you thank and you Rada has been seen out with like 75 people so she's got the paparazzi on um speed dial and i think she's doing just fine and she... i'm not worried about pete davidson no. he's gonna bodies, bodies, bodies. Else who's hot Bodies, bodies, bodies. Well, thank you. I feel better about all of this. I still want Pete and Kim to get back together because I thought that was the funniest one. (sighs) Oh, my God. I almost blacked out that time in my life when they were together. I won't let you forget. Okay. Thank you for keeping us informed. And thank you to my hosts, Aaron Gwen, for helping me spill all of this piping hot or frostbitten in some, you know, cases. Uh, Celebrity this week. Again, this is Travis Cronin of Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast with your weekly peek into the glamour, glitter, fashion, fame of your favorite celebrities. Because you know what, guys? At the end of the day, they're just just like like us. us with more money and access. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.